0: open up your Bibles this morning. Good to see everybody. We are starting a new series this morning for the next five weeks out of the book of Psalms. So go ahead and open up to Psalm 1. I am so pumped about this and I hear a few of you saying, my voice already feels tired, so I might as well just shout the rest of the service to make it go away completely. Yeah. Psalms is a, uh, is a fascinating and beautiful book of the Bible, and I'm excited for us to go through it. We're not covering all the 150 Psalms over the next five weeks. That would be, that would be a lot even for me to try to squeeze in. But, <laughs> is that funny, Jordan? Let's <laughs> go. I love that. Psalms is uh, it's just a beautiful book. It, it is a collection of 150 songs from various people, various people of God written over the course of about 1,000 years. So the New Testament was written in like about 50 years, over the course of about 50 years. Psalms just in itself covers the span of about 1,000 years of the people of God. The youngest song in the book is about 2,500 years old. So if you're like into vintage, (laughs) think of that album cover. It's like vinyl before vinyl. You know, some songs that we love, like they last decades, you know, like the, the good ones, they last decades. And, and that's when you know it's a really good one. That's a classic, right? It lasts a few decades because they, they capture the song of a moment or they, they, capture, they capture the song of a generation. But Psalms has lasted through the millennia because these songs capture the human soul. They are poems where we get a portrait of the human soul engaging with God. Not with paints and brushes and canvas, but with words and syntax and grammar and meter. And in the same way that an artist will use color to bring a picture to life, the lines of these poems pop with vibrant and evocative honesty from the human soul. No matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, Where you come from or what you most honestly feel and what you most honestly want to say in the Psalms, God meets you there and teaches you to pray. You are invited in the Psalms to expose your raw inner self to God. And when you do, you will find out that not only did he already know everything that you just told him, but he actually knew it before you told him better than you know it now that you've told him. You are invited to pray and find that he hears you. You are invited to cry and find that he hears you. You are invited to question and find that he hears you. You are invited to to search and find that he is already near you. One of the teachers that I've been pulling from to help with this series wrote his own poetic introduction to Psalms. And I was going to try to write one too, but they all were way worse than his. (laughs) So I'd like to read it for you. He says this, don't fall into the trap thinking that these are just songs. These are the quick writings of kings on the run. The time-tested meditations of men who stood face-to-face with the one they sang to. The patient poems of temple singers waiting to hear the sound of their voices echo in the majesty of Solomon's temple and the anonymous verses of battle-worn men of faith spilling their life and love onto the page inspired by the Spirit to inspire the people of God for thousands of years. The Psalms are a mystical haze of veneration. It's a place to get lost in. Suitable for all temperaments, personality types, and moods. Bring your fears here and leave with trust. Bring your sorrows here and leave heard. Bring your victories here and lay them at the true victor's feet. Bring your heart here and see it utilized to its true and only potential. Praise. So for the next five weeks, we're going to talk about Psalms. And the way we're going to break it up is not into like a group of Psalms. The way we're going to break it up is we're going to talk about different five different themes that you could categorize the Psalms into. You could take the 150 and kind of put them into these groups of five themes. This isn't like a canonized group of five themes. Lots of people have their versions of lists for how to categorize their son the psalms. There's 150 of them, for goodness sake, so somebody has to categorize them, right? So this isn't like the way to do it, it's the way we're doing it. What is, anybody watch Matt's Off-Road Recovery on YouTube? I know Jordan does. Anybody else? Wow! Muy recomando! is awesome. Uh, he, goes, he goes, I don't know if that's the right way to do it, but it's the way we just did it. And so that's how we're doing the Psalms. <laughs> I don't know if it's the right way to do it, but it's the way we're doing it. So anyways, all I to say, we're going to talk each week about the five different themes. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about kind of that theme in general. And then we're going to talk about one of the tools of Hebrew poetry that is used because you need help understanding poetry sometime, right? And it's, it's like a beautiful picture. The, the more you understand about not just what it said, but how it's being said and what's not being said, that's help, what's help? That is what helps you understand and appreciate what's going on. So we'll talk about a tool of Hebrew poetry, and then we'll teach through one psalm that's in that classification and uses those tools. That make sense? So this week, the theme that we're talking about is wisdom to read, wisdom to read. Would you stand with me for the reading of the Word of God? Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful for you this morning and... Again, we turn ourselves towards you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us. We thank you for the psalms and for this psalm. We thank you for this poem to help us know you and understand you and how to engage with you. We are here to learn this morning, Lord Jesus. We want to learn from your word and come under you. We surrender ourselves to, to you. And as we're praying for Kingdom Conference, Lord, we, we want your will, your way, your power. So that's what we're asking for you to do in us this morning as we meditate on your word. And it's just obvious, this comparison, Lord, we pray that we, we would be the blessed man, the blessed woman that chooses the blessing of God. And that we would turn away from the wicked and the wicked ways. Strengthen us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wisdom to read. So there's a a section of the Old Testament that is called different things depending on, again, where you look, but you could say called called the writings or, or wisdom literature. There's things in Scripture, so like Psalms, uh, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, I think another one, Ecclesiastes. Uh, these are this is wisdom literature. What that means is it's not part of the narrative. Like almost just about everything else is telling the story. It's telling the story of God, the pe- story of the people of God. But there's this wisdom literature that that addresses life's biggest questions, and it's. Kind of this section of the Bible where you don't need to know any of the story. You can just jump in and it starts speaking to your life. And I'm really thankful for that. I think that's cool. And the Psalms are part of that wisdom literature. And Psalm 1 isn't just at the beginning. In many ways, it can serve as an introduction to the entire book of Psalms. You you get so much here. We're not actually going to dive into that. But but Psalm 1, in many ways, does serve as an introduction to the rest of the book of Psalms and really to all of wisdom literature. And that's why we're talking about this morning. Wisdom to read. So one of the categories you could put different Psalms in, for example, other ones might be like Psalm 15, Psalm 15, or Psalm 93 through 100, that's not the whole list, but you could categorize those as these are poems that are wisdom to read. That's how we should approach these things. And when we say, let's talk about wisdom, wisdom literature, wisdom poetry, wisdom to read, I don't know about you, but that kind of sounds like refreshing and like probably going to be like tweetable and put on a coffee mug and like, this is going to be nice and motivating until you start reading wisdom, So sorry, I didn't make it that way. It just is what it is. Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Which means that wisdom is not life hacks for making things easier. Wisdom is the fear of God to help you live holy. knowledge might make some things easier and that's good work harder i mean work smarter not harder right so that's good and i'm not bashing on that i'm just saying that wisdom and knowledge aren't the same thing wisdom isn't just put it on a motivational poster to say you can do it wisdom is the fear of god to help you live holy the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and insight true Wise insight doesn't come just from learning knowledge. It comes from knowledge of the Holy One. So, in light of that, we could say that wisdom is encouraging when you're being holy and you want to live holy. When you, when you are being holy and want to live holy, and then you hear wisdom, it's enriching, it's encouraging, it's motivating. Well, wisdom is terrifying and frustrating if you're wicked and you want to be wicked, and that's where what we get in Psalm one. Blessed, blessed is the man. Some translations uh, use the word happy. Happy is the man. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Isn't that encouraging? Well, it depends. It depends. It's not encouraging if you're a wicked or a sinner or a scoffer. But it is encouraging if you're someone who delights in the law of God. And it drives you day and night. People that you follow on social media, the entrepreneurs on YouTube with time and money to do whatever they want and whoever they want, whenever they want, companies who sell shiny objects that you really like. Politicians who love being loved are all selling you big ideas and secret knowledge on how to be happy, how to be blessed. But the Holy One tells you straight up how it is. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who walks not in the counsel of the world, the flesh, the devil. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus says this to us, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. The way of destruction doesn't sound blessed or happy, right? For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. I'm going to repeat something that I told you on the first Sunday of this year, if you were here, you don't remember it. And if you weren't here, you haven't heard it. So that's why we're going to review it. (laughs) And uh, I told this to some ninth and 10th graders that I teach a couple of weeks ago. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Before you do what someone tells you to do, or before you take someone's counsel, Check to see if they're full of what you really want. Look past the money. Look past the house, the car, the schedule, the influence. That's the easy stuff. That's the cheap stuff. Who has the mind you want? Who has the mind you want set on things above? Set on peace in the midst of chaos? Wise instead of tossed? By the wind and waves and the life and the world that they live in. Who has the heart that you want? A heart at rest and not anxious. A heart that is pure and sees God. A heart that is joyful and free instead of bitter and discontent. Who has the soul you want? Tender and soft towards the things of God. And towards loving others, a soul restored by grace and not tattered by the lies of the world. Who has the strength you want? Who is secure and under control? Who is accurate and not messy? Who is trustworthy and sturdy, not immature and wobbly? Before you just listen to somebody's words or somebody's instruction or somebody's in counsel, look at their substance. What the Bible tells us here is don't walk in the counsel of the wicked and expect the blessing of the Holy One. Blessed is the man who who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man Who does not stand in the way of sinners. Kind of makes you squirm in church every time we say sinners, huh? (laughs) I'll just call it out. But uh, the Bible's telling us, wisdom would tell you that you cannot spend your life standing in the way of sinners, and then in the end, expect to be found standing in the congregation of the righteous, when the judgment comes. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> it depends. <laughs> Blessed is the man who does not stand in the way of sinners. What, what do you stand for? What, what do you stand for? Who do you stand with? Which way are you standing in The wicked way or the righteous way? This is where I as a pastor I get accused of being judgmental for saying stuff like that, you know. But I'm not being judgmental, I'm just asking the question, and wisdom would suggest we ask that question and answer it honestly. Because it seems to count for something, whether we like it or not. Do you stand in the way of sinners? Do you stand in the way of sinners? Do you stand in the way of sinners when you're consuming media and entertainment? Do you... You cannot... Wisdom is telling us that that you cannot take your stand for the way of sinners and expect to be found standing with the righteous. You cannot stand for the way of, of abortion and the LGBTQ agenda or materialism or pride, envy, Rivalries, deceit, rage, gossip, hatred, the love of money, sexual immorality. You cannot stand in that way and expect to be found standing in the congregation of the righteous when the judgment comes. Now hear me. There is love and grace and mercy and forgiveness for the repentant sinner. But you cannot stand in the way of sinners and expect the blessing of the Holy One. So let's all repent. Just to make sure we land that plane real clearly. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. the happy life, the blessed life. You just, there's a freedom in the soul of this person. There's a lightness in this person. The person with a, a lightness about them isn't sitting in the seat of scoffers. That's a, that's a heavy load. Usually you'd say, take a load off and have a seat. But when you sit in the seat of scoffers, you get a load put on you. It's not found that the happy life, the blessed life of the righteous is not found sitting among, reading the blogs of, reminiscing with, scrolling through, getting dragged down by the embittered, the skeptical, the self-centered, or the judgmental. Those who scoff at the will, the way, the words, the instruction of the Holy One. Blessed is the man who does not sit in that seat. But rather, blessed is the man. Can we get to the positive side now? But blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. This word meditates, we we think of uh, our Selah moment. Before church, right? That's, a, that's a, 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 medit- a moment of meditating, of being quiet and still and, and internal. The, the word the Hebrew word that gets translated here, it, it doesn't not mean that. it just doesn't just mean exactly that. It's a tough word. and it also includes like this idea of murmuring and groaning. So it's not just an internal thing. It's like, this is what's, this is what's churning on the inside, and it's what's bubbling out. Yeah. is the law of the Lord. A delight in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he, he churns day and night. It, it bubbles out of him day and night. It's what he talks about, it's the lens through which he sees things, it's what he likes to think about, and it's what you always have to hear about when he's around, because it just comes bubbling out. He doesn't have to constantly be told to, to delight in the law of the Lord. He doesn't do it because he feels an obligation to do it. He delights in the law of the Lord because the law of the Lord delights him. He goes to the beach because it's his delight to go to the beach. He eats ribeye steaks because it's his delight to eat ribeye steaks. He laughs at his friends' jokes because it's his delight to laugh at his friends' jokes. He kisses his kids' cheeks because it's his delight to kiss his kids' cheeks. He ruminates on, he talks about, he thinks about, he considers, and he follows the law of the Lord because he delights in the law of the Lord. He likes the counsel of the Holy One over the counsel of the wicked. He likes the way of the righteous over the way of sinners. He likes to sit with the faithful and the faith-filled more than sitting with the scoffers. It's his delight. Yes, he thinks about other things, but his deepest thoughts are for the things of God. Yes, he talks about other things, but his deepest words are for the things of God. Yes, he desires normal things, but his deepest delight is the way of God. Most people's meditations are their, their ruminations, the things that they stir on and the things that bubble out of them are oriented around money or, or sex or power or fame, how delighted they are to have that, how much more delighted they would be if they had more of it. And the point is not that the blessed person curses and casts aside all of those things, The point is that the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night is a deeply blessed person. He's not blessed because he does it. Doing it is the blessing. He didn't earn God's blessing because he spent enough time thinking on the things of God. Thinking on the things of God is the blessing. God doesn't love him more because he talks so much about the things of God. He talks so much about the things of God because he loves the law of the Lord. He desires more of the law of the Lord. Not so that God will love him more and bless him. He desires more of God because he loves God. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing for him to want more of God. And so he does. It's a blessing for him to talk about God so he does. It's a blessing for him to think of God so he does. He's happy. Wow. I'd like to know what that person's like. (laughs) Wouldn't you like to know that person? Wouldn't you like to be that person? What what would it like to What would it be like to know that person, to be able to call that person on the phone, to have that friend? What would that be like? What would it be like to be this person? I'm glad you asked. And so is Psalm 1. Let's find out. Verse 3. He is like a tree. So this is one of the poetic tools that you'll see throughout Psalms. Metaphor and simile. And we see this in English all the time, too. So this is a real easy one. He's like, he's like a tree. So we have a simile here, right? Like or as. Right, Brian? My own on still? Okay. It's been a while since I got taught that. <laughs> like or as. He, he's like a tree. He's not a tree. He's like a tree. Yeah, that's a simile. A metaphor would be something like in Psalm 16.5. It says, the Lord is my portion and my cup. The Lord isn't actually a cup I drink from, but he is the cup I drink from. It's, it's painting. It's art. It's language. This person, what, what's he like? What would it be like to know this person, to talk to this person? What would it be like to be this person? It, well, he's like a tree. It's like He's like a tree. So I, I want to go to this blank graphic that Diego made, all by his anointed self. I didn't even tell him to do that. I want you to look at that. The blessed man is like that. Just look at it. Think on it. When you look at this picture, you should see a tree. And so what he's saying is the man's not a tree, but when you see a tree, you should think about how this man might be like that tree. You're invited to think about the blessed person as you look at this tree. So let's leave that up here while we talk about this. Keep your Bibles open and your notes open, but look at that. So, you know, one eye on each, right? He's like a tree. He isn't he isn't nervous about which counsel to follow in his life. He isn't he isn't compromised or fickle with whom he, with who he stands with. He's not wandering around insecure about getting the right seat at the table. In the lunchroom or the water cooler or the office or the organization or the neighborhood or the friend group. He's like a tree. He's rooted. He's firm. He's secure. He's like an immovable force of nature. He's there. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. He's planted in the meditations of the lord he doesn't have to try and reach for a fresh for a fresh thing from god he's rooted in the fresh things of god he has stored up the fresh things of god he's constantly drinking of the endlessly fresh water of the holy spirit he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season He's an abundant producer of the fruit of the kingdom for the glory of the Father. And his leaf does not wither. What's he like? He's like a tree with a leaf that that doesn't wither. He's steadfast through the seasons of life, not fading through the cold of winter, not withering in the heat of summer, but he has sap stored up on the inside. That brings a vibrancy, even in the hard times. In all that he does, he prospers. This doesn't mean, again, remember, he didn't get blessed because he meditated on God. And God said, well, good job meditating on me. Here's a blessing. Meditating on the Lord was the blessing. He doesn't prosper in everything he touches because God likes him a lot, so now he can go start whatever business he wants because he scored favor with God. And now God said, You meditated on my word for a certain amount of time, here's a blank check. Go be prosperous in everything that you do. It doesn't mean that he does whatever he wants and, every, and whatever he wants prospers, it means he meditated on the law of the Lord. So, God blesses everything he does because he only does the things God told him to do. So, everything he does is blessed. Because the only things he does are the things that God blesses. The wicked are not so. Next verse. It's encouraging, right? (laughs) It depends. But they are like, another simile here, they are like chaff that the wind drives away. You may not be a farmer, but basically that means that when, a, when farmers are harvesting wheat, there's, there's the grain, but then there's also a bunch of other stuff. There's stalks and seed casings and dirt and trash. There's just trash mixed in with all of it. And wouldn't you like to be the one picking out the seeds out of all that pile of trash. So the more efficient way to do it is they scoop it up with a winnowing fork and they throw it up either in the wind or they, they make a fan and, and the, they make this little breeze and the grain is heavy enough. So they, they only do a breeze strong enough to where the heavier grain can fall to the ground but all the trash blows away. That's called chaff. So the wicked are like the chaff that just blows away. The, the blessed man is like that tree. The wicked are not so they're like chaff blown away by the wind the seed casings the dirt the useless leaves now if you think about it this isn't talking about some strong gale force wind that blows the chaff away grains not that heavy we're not talking about rocks <laughs> grains not that heavy The breeze is only strong enough to blow the chaff away, but not strong enough to blow the grain away. I mean, we're talking like what? It's just a light breeze. The blessed man is like that tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. Everything he does, he prospers, and the wicked are like chaff. A light breeze just blows him away. The heavy winds of life make the fruitful branches of the rooted trees clap their hands and the vibrant leaves sing their songs. But the slightest shifting breeze captures up the chaff and blows it away. Verse five Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Smart people will teach you to live for knowledge. Rich people will teach you to live for wealth. Carnal people will teach you to live for the pleasures of this life. Anxious people will teach you to live for comfort. Wise people will counsel you to live for the judgment. Therefore, Therefore, because the wicked chose the counsel that they walked in, the way they stood in, the seat they sat in, they will not stand in the judgment. Therefore, because the sinner chose the counsel of the wicked, the way of the sinner, the seat of the scoffer, they will not stand with the congregation of the righteous. Encouraging, right? And the psalm closes with what could almost be said as a summary promise for the entire book of Psalms in verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Wisdom calls you to be like a tree planted in the truth that the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Wisdom calls you to build your life on that, to plant yourself in that. And we have to believe that as we seek God and follow him, that he sees us, he is watching us, he's watching over us, and he knows We have to be rooted in the belief that God has his own ways and has his own timing for judging the wicked and uplifting the righteous. For avenging avenging the just and for tearing down the unjust. Because we will get blown by the wind. Are you with me? We will get blown by the wind. We will get tested by the seasons. And this is why Psalm 1 really serves as that introduction to the book of Psalms. Because as you read it, you will see the psalmist enduring the winds and facing the heat all through the rest of the book. Wondering, why are the wicked succeeding? Why do the unjust flourish? Is God listening to the righteous? Does God see his faithful ones? And over and over again, we see that blessed is the man who does not surrender to the way of the wicked when the righteous road is narrow and bleak. Blessed is the man who does not compromise with the sinners when it looks like you're on an island all alone standing on the promises of God and the oceans are rising. Blessed is the man who does not sit at the table of the scoffer when the burden of disappointment is heavy and drink of the cup of unbelief. But his delight... His refreshment, his motivation, his strength, his nourishment, his aim, his hope is in the Lord, planted, rooted in the Lord. He plants his roots deep and holds on to the eternal promise God sees, God knows, God cares, and God is faithful. His ways may not be my ways. His time may not be my time, but God knows the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked will perish. Will you stand as we close this morning? We're gonna have our prayer team come up and be available for prayer. If you need anything for anything, anything this morning, you're at church, so come get prayer. And I just wanna wrap up by telling you straight up what I've been praying for you all week and all morning for out of this message. Instead of hoping you get it, I'm just going to say it out loud. What I've been praying for you and been praying for us is that as we go through this psalm, that God would do a miraculous work in our souls and in our spirits that we would have. And I'm hoping that I'm about to put language to something that you've been experiencing over the last 35 minutes. I'm praying that there's been this taste on our insides. Like a real taste. A taste of wickedness. And a taste of death or of righteousness. A taste of wickedness and a taste of righteousness. And I'm praying that we have tasted wickedness and been like, wow, that tastes like death. Right. Righteousness tastes like life. Yes. I want that one. Right. Right. Like I'm praying that God has given you in these few moments a taste you can never untaste of both wickedness. And righteousness so that everything you eat from here on out you have something to compare it with and you know no 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 this tastes like death I don't like that oh this tastes like life I like that I'm praying that there would be something that you have felt on your insides in these few moments together what it feels like to be weightless chaff that gets blown away by a shifting simple breeze And I'm praying that you felt what it might feel like to be like a tree planted by streams of water. And that you'd just be a normal person and like me and be like, I'm not that smart, but I want to be the tree. So if that's happened, I encourage you to choose the righteous. Choose the way of the Lord. For all of us, if there's anything you need to repent of, do it. Leave it behind and let's plant our roots deep into the things and the meditations of God. If God's your delight and you want someone to pray with you, to be more of your delight, come get prayer. If you're saying, I'm not that person, I want a delight, oh God, have mercy on me and stir my delight. Just come and run run to the open arms of God through the Psalms who says, I know what's going on in your soul already. Bring it to me and let me shape it into the soul that you want and that I want for you. Jesus, we love you and we praise your holy name. And I'm asking God that you would move in and through and among us even now and through these weeks together, would you stir our souls unto you and make us like that blessed and happy person. I pray right now, God, a heavy, tangible distaste for the wicked and for the sinners and the scoffer. Lord, I pray that we would have a taste to be the righteous. In Jesus' name, come, Holy Spirit. Let's worship together.